Yeah, that's awesome sauce. All right, everybody. So uh, welcome to another uh, episode of Pivot Play Podcast. And I'm here with Harry Bitsberger, uh, my longtime buddy, friend. Hey, Harry. Hey, Jerry. How you doing? I'm just dandy. So um, so typically the way I start these things off, because so far, um, you know, the episodes have been with people I've had some relationship with. Uh, so what's, what's your recollection of how we met? How we became friends uh we met at uh the golf club the golf course and uh i think we were just hitting balls one night started chatting and then you said uh i'm gonna go walk nine you want to go and i went with you i think that was pretty much the first time and we played nine before (laughs) like literally like finished in the dark nine yeah right yeah um so do you remember who won uh, you. <laughs> it's possible. That's so that's, that's a pretty easy answer, actually. <laughs> so I actually no no because I I've got my butt kicked uh, several times because I I don't think I still hit the ball nearly as long as you do. So wow, when you when you get behind one, it's it's gone. So you know I'm I a tiny, I'm a tiny top, so not yeah, much power. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to rely on other other skills to to, to remain competitive. So, because uh, as but I remember, there were people who did not want to play with me. Um, nope, nobody likes left-handers. <laughs> okay, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's that's their problem. You know, it's either their problem or our problem, and it it ain't our problem, right? Yeah. So. But that's one of the things that I remember, though, in terms of our friendship and bond, is that you, you know, uh, you befriended me when other people decided they would not do that in that in that environment, right? You know, because nobody there is a ch- is a charity case, right? You're there because you can afford to be there and whatever, and you know, so yeah. Well, it's it's not a super. It's actually kind of a working man's club, um, so. You know, I mean, it's it's not hoity-toity or any right. crazy thing like that. But you know, yeah, you have to you have to have some dough in order to play. Yeah, yeah sure. So, Fair. but that's but my point is that's one of the things I've already always a, a, appreciated um, about you is that you know just willingness to be your own person and you know stand behind your principles and what you believe and you know no one's really going to be able to persuade you to do something you don't want to do or behave in a way that that's just not your choice so we have that's you know i guess that's part of what we'll talk about today right yeah yeah right right so so when when we met um let's see you had boomers um and the moon bounce yeah moon bounce adventures moon bounce uh so i had three indoor kitty places they were all inflatable oh, right. moon bounces, parties, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. then we had um, an outdoor rental business. So we would deliver them to people's homes. And uh, we had uh, uh, a large event business. So we would do events for like Villanova and Westchester Universities, Hers Foods, um, you know, larger corporations. Um, yeah. So, and then, and then we had really big facility and it had late we had put laser tag in it 
um, had mini golf, had a driving range, uh, had a pizzeria. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we had scaled it up over time. We started at zero. Literally, uh, my wife and I were on the computer one night, made the decision to start the business and bought our first uh, couple items on, um, on eBay, you know, and said, ah, let's give it a so, spin. So, so wait a minute, let me be clear. So moon bounce, the moon bounce sort of side of the world came before the driving range. It did. Uh, okay. So that, so that piece I get, but so in terms of, you know, where your ideas come from, because another thing I remember you said that you used to sell suits, right? So yes. um, you've done a, a bunch of, a bunch of things. So I, I kind of look at you as a serial entrepreneur. I don't know if you consider yourself to be that. Uh, I would, yeah. I would say later, uh, I, I really, I kind of went the corporate route initially. So um, I went to military college. And then after that, I went into the military for four years. Um, when I came out of there, I did the uh, healthcare industry for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Worked for a bunch of the, you know, three of the bigger healthcare companies in the world uh, selling, you know, mm-hmm. so I sold diagnostic testing. I sold surgical tables. I sold um, surgical lights, uh, instruments, uh, uh, custom packs for heart procedures and various other right. procedures. So, so I lived in that world for about 10 years. Uh, then I, uh, uh, it was back in the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. I was going through, uh, healthcare was going through some upsizing, downsizing, resizing, re-engineering. I, re- I remember right? that was under the, under the Clinton administration. Yeah. Under, yeah. under so, the dare that they would, uh, make some changes. People just start freaking out. I remember. Yeah. That. Right. So, so as a result of that, you know, every November you started calling your sales reps and telling them that, uh, they, you know, I had uh, good news is I have uh, 15 slots left for next year. Bad news is I have 20 people and you're competing for one of those 15 slots. Right. Um, and then after we did all that, right before Christmas, we would get to go into Chicago and and interview for our own positions. <laughs> <laughs> so four years of that. And I said, geez, um, you know, what the heck am I doing? All right. Um, I uh, recently moved back to Philadelphia. I was in Texas for a long, uh, for about six years. Moved back to Philly. Didn't want to get stuck, uh, beholden at age. You know, I was watching all the more senior guys get um, thanked and uh, given a package and sent away. So I, I thought I might be able to control my destiny uh, in different ways. So I joined a company called Tom James. That was uh, literally face to face sales. So I was dealing with uh, with the user and it was pure commission sales um we would you know you had to find them so prospecting cold calling uh lots of phone work uh soup to nuts all the way through the entire process did that for 10 years and so, then I started the other stuff too. so let's so let's dig a little bit there so you you go from one situation into a commission only yes line of work yes well, well, oh, wow so so one why did you do that secondly um what how long and how did you develop a pipeline right you have to have people yeah 
to sell to, right? Um, you and I, in, you know, previous conversations over the years, we spoke about the old um, birds of a feather, you mm -hmm. know, flock together kind of thing. So, um, tip. So we were ver we, if we were doing it right, we were asking for referrals, you mm -hmm. know, and um, there was there was a very scripted manner in which we did it because we wanted to be very specific. Right. And when you're in a commission sales environment, uh, your time is really, really precious. So think about a, a plumber that comes to see you or an HVAC guy. <clears throat> they have limited hours. And if they're coming out, you're, you, they want to make some dough, you know? So, um, so I was, I was in that environment. Um, and it was, uh, it was foreign to me, but I was, I've, I guess I've, been a pretty confident guy for my whole life for the most part um learned a lot from failing uh mm -hmm. not a, was uh never afraid to fail I, but i was actually pretty good at failing so i got used to it <laughs> uh, <laughs> um I, my my wife was uh amazingly supportive um and uh fortunately um she is uh successful and she's educated and, uh, you know, she's kind of the foundation, our family's foundation, you know, she's, um, so in that regard, I was able to try to hit a home run while she was moving, you know, runners from first to second to third base. So, right. um, you know, so I couldn't have done any of it, uh, if I wasn't able to rely on her and, you know, and she was supportive and, you know, there were, there were times when things weren't doing going quite as well and there were times when we've had to we had to have some conversations and had to rethink and right you know um i my timing was um it's it's ironic that i got out of the healthcare industry you know during that timing uh with bill and hillary right because i thought it was unsteady and then i get into a a commission environment selling high um, like boutique level, very fine men's garments um, at a time like mid to late 90s when there was a huge transition going on in America where people who used to wear coat tie every single day, um, all of a sudden those people today, some of them are wearing jeans and ACDC t-shirts to work, you know, right. and, and you had to hustle and, um, that actually was the impetus behind um, us doing the Moon Bounce Adventures. So, but you know, there, the there's, but, but, so do me a favor though. Don't, sure. um, so don't, yeah, don't, don't skip over the, uh, <laughs> so there's a component there. Maybe because you've done it a lot, it maybe it's, it's simpler for you or you remember it differently. But, you know, there's some people who may have one good go in them, right? And yes. if that doesn't work, then, you know, I tried and I'm done. Um, so the idea of something that you would, you know, label as a as a failure, that's that's the nail in the coffin for most people. They don't recycle, they don't rethink, they don't regroup, and they don't try again. So what is it that you would say has gotten you to, you know, just yeah, let's there's a certain when you have a new idea, there's a certain excitement that comes with that too, right? And your mind is filled with possibilities and so yeah. how how have you been able to hold on to that? Uh, well, I'm, um, uh, geez, I am a, uh, 
I operate off of passion. Uh, I operate off of uh, uh, a love to do something. You you were saying that you you felt that you overachieved early, right? You were talking through that, but was that what what drove that? Was that because you were the first? Is because people imposed potential on you? You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I actually don't think people uh, actually. My father, from um, as far back as I can remember, from my er earliest memories of him, uh, it was, you're going to go to college, you're going to behave this way, you know, you're going to get your education, you're going to do that. Uh, my father, uh, coincidentally, dropped out of school after his uh, freshman year in high school. Okay. Got his GED, um, went into the military. Um, he was, he was, he was a, uh, tremendous influence on me. Um, he, at any given time, if you walked into my house growing up, we, my family, we lived in a row home in in a Philadelphia suburb for half of my growing years. And then, uh, we moved to a, you know, about five miles away to a small Cape Cod mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and, uh, if you walked around the house at any given time, there would, he'd have five books um, open, you know, and laid down um, on coffee tables, side tables, next to the uh, sink in the bathroom, um, and it, and I'm talking uh, Chaucer, physics, math, novels. Um, I never met anybody and I, I read incessantly. I study, okay. I read, I, um, I, I love the written word. I love the spoken word. And I got that from him. Um, very talented guy. And, uh, he just told me this is the way it was going to be. So. Okay. So you're, you're I, kind of programmed for it. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think so. But I, I never, um, it wasn't like, it wasn't a fear of failure. It wasn't mm -hmm. a, you know, I need to achieve more than everybody else. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I've always been very comfortable with who I am, mm -hmm. um, which is good and bad, you know, because you have to be uncomfortable to successfully make change. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, so, that, you know, that was kind of the impetus, I think. So we so we were speaking um I think it may have been earlier today just about the the drivers um you know and again I don't know that I was super driven to succeed but I was superbly driven to not fail. Yeah. Right, which if you outrun failure hard enough you may just end up at success. Um the challenge with it though is you won't identify the accomplishment, right? And so that's one of probably one of the things that I wished I was a lot better at, which was recognizing the things that I've accomplished and doing things like celebrating a success, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at that either. Um, for someone who has spent most of his life trying uh, to be a better person and, and to try to accomplish things, um, I've never been very good at celebrating Actually, I, celebrating anything, I, I just don't, you know, it's like, all right, another day, time to rock, you know, just move on. Um, yeah. 
since I've, you know, I, I coach a lot now these days and, um, and as a coach, uh, I get far more satisfaction with, um, watching the accomplishments of the, the kids I coach. And, um, yeah. you know, first it was my children. And then over the years, I just, you know, I have all these kids that I, right. you know, have hopefully had a positive influence on, you know? Right. So you, you said that you are driven by passion, right? If you don't have passion for something, yeah. it's not going to work for you. So yeah. you, you have done these different things and, and, um, but you also talked about sort of this foundational, you know, position that Michelle holds in the equation. But as I know, Michelle, I don't know that you guys are wired exactly yes. the same way from this passion point of view. We're, we're 180 degrees. No, we're, we're, we, um, so we, cause we own like, let's, let's just call it the, you know, the boomer business, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the moon bounce boomer business, the entertainment business. So we drove that together. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I was the grunt guy who I was the face guy, grunt guy, sales guy. And she was the, uh, she's an attorney. So she kind of kept us out of trouble. She, you know, I bring the money to her. <laughs> um, she, uh, but she did the banking, she did the books, she did the quick book. She, um, so she ran all the inside stuff. I was the outside stuff. Uh, we used to joke that, um, she was, uh, I was the accelerator and she was the brake. Uh, right. Okay. And, um, and, and that's really, that's, you cannot underestimate the value of that. Right. Um, I certainly have never underestimated that. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, through the years, as I assess me and assess the others around me, one of the things I, I think that people are wired more like me. I, I have a true, uh, people orientation versus a task orientation. Uh, my wife has more of a task orientation. Um, I would say uh, you have more of a task orientation. Um, uh, I have found that many people with that wiring, mm -hmm. um, whether it's you know uh, God-given or environmental uh, or learned over the years, um, I think they don't always understand people like me. You know what I mean? Like I like I admire you because of your um, your task orientation, your ability. You're all you're always thinking. You're always uh, your mind's always going. You're always trying stuff. Um, yeah. But I think it's your ability to do that and effectively communicate with people and seek. Uh, the truth, maybe, you know, through other people. I think that's what truly differentiates you and truly makes you a, a special person, at, at least a special person in my life. Um, because huh. many people have difficulty balancing that, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting. You kind of talked about being task oriented. So, and I'll just hopefully we don't lose people with this, but you, you'll get this. Um, you, you've seen my, you know, my, my good plan, my struggles, even when it comes sure. to, to golf. Um, what I've learned though, is I am more task oriented, right? So yeah. if you, um, if you say to me, you know, just hit this ball, there's times when I can hit that ball. If you say hit that ball over that tree 
or around that thing, then I'm easy. I'm immediately more focused on being able to do something that without some level of complexity, I struggle with. I don't, I don't get that, but I've learned that more and more about myself. I need, sure. I need hard things. I need difficult. Yeah. The complex. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And well, it's, it's not as worthwhile anyway, if it's not harder. Right. right? I, don't, I mean, some days I'd like to just go around the golf course and just play easy golf and, I'd like well, to go to I'd like to go to work and have easy meetings and you know um, simple projects. I would I think I could I could do a little bit of that from time to time. Yeah, and, and I, I think everybody's I think everybody's wired that way. I think everybody would like a little easier day. Um, and any good any positive trait, when taken to an extreme, becomes a negative. Right. Uh, so you know some of it is we're we're just kind of who we are right and um there's a there's a part of me that will accept me for who i am and there's another part that if i want to become better i, I just can't tolerate that part of me right but, but i but i right but i always i struggle and then find myself back there again <laughs> that's why you know the diet yeah, industry good. that's why the diet industry and the fitness industry exist there but there's an aspect of man you just made me think about something so you know i've been a part of things in my life where i set out to do something and it's not over yet but i already know this is not going to work out like i'm but i'm yeah. i'm fully invested right and so let's say it's the third quarter you're getting blown out how do you face the fourth quarter with resilience because you know you're you're likely to lose. Like this has happened with us in golf. This match play or even stroke play. If I'm down by eight, unless you just start hitting balls into the woods, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna take an L here. And I wanna be able to get through that, hopefully with some dignity and my but you know what I'm saying? But there's other bigger games in life that we play that we're into it, and it's like you know that this is not gonna go the way that you had hoped. What Right. What does what kicks in with you? Because I've never seen you bail on anything, right? Um, how how do you walk down difficult fourth quarters in life? Um. So, boy, that's really complex. That that could be like a seven day conversation, right? Um, it'd be more fun over adult beverages, but. Um, I mean, it's it's hugely complex. There's no linear answer to that. Uh, I would say um, that's when you kind of find out who you really are, right? Um, I have a tendency to think in terms of stories, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and you you've played golf with my son when he was li very little, right? And yeah. I, you know, mm -hmm. your son and my son and myself, and we went out and played, and you know. I remember he was 12, 13 years old and he, uh, he became a pretty good golfer. He, uh, he got to the point where we were playing nine holes and he was beating me by a couple strokes with a couple holes left. And he put so much pressure on himself to beat me mm -hmm. and he just blew up. And, you know, so it was, you know, we were only going to play nine and, uh, he blew up. So I, I beat him, you know, I come in, you know, whatever ahead of him. And he's, I'm done, Arr! you know, wants to run off. And I'm like, no, dude, we're, we're going to finish. Right. This is, you, no matter what, dude, you're going to finish. 
Um, and uh, literally about three days after that, I played in the uh, the Make-A-Wish tournament here at Penn Oaks. Mm-hmm. And I shot a 77, which qualified me as one of the low amateurs to play with the pros the next day. Um, tee, off, tee off on the first hole, uh, hit 3 OB, took a 13. What? Yep. Second hole, took an 11. Third hole, took a 9. Okay. Right. Okay. I, I don't have a calculator, so I don't know. I, yeah. I, I right. Just, I didn't track that because I, I oh. thought there was going to be one high score. I didn't know you were going to follow that up. Yeah. With, no, 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 no. So, so I had just shot a 77 the day before. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm booting them. I'm booting the ball all over the joint. There's two pros. I'm playing with two pros. And the one pro comes over and he goes, listen, um, nobody would think any less of you if you walked off the course right now. Now, I don't know if he said that for me to save face or for him to save the disgust of having to play, <laughs> play 15 more holes with me. Right. But he said, and I sat there and said, you know what? I said, uh, three days ago, I had my son out here and I told him you started, it, you finish it. And I said, so if I shoot 200 today, I will play 18 holes. And a mm-hmm. dude looked at me and he said, good for you. And, you know, I finished with like a 108, right? Right. right. And, and I know honest, there's probably a lot of non-golfers who will, who don't understand that you shot 77. And that there are many golfers who play their entire lives and never shoot less than 100. Yeah. Right. So even around in the 80s, like low 80s, puts you firmly in the top five, the three to five percent of golfers in the world. Yeah. You shot yeah. A, a 77 which places you in the first one to 2% of golfers in the entire world. And on that particular you, day. <laughs> on that particular <laughs> But it means that, but, but this is the point though. And I don't want to drag this into a golf thing again, because sure. some people won't get it, but there's demonstrated ability there, right? It's not like you yeah. walked up and was like, Oh, I just shot the best round of my life. You just played a game that you felt you were more capable of. And now you're in another situation where early on, that goal is far out of your reach. Like before you get to the fifth hole, like this is extremely unlikely and you got 13 more holes to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not- so this is what I'm talking about. That resilience to walk down, um, the resilience yeah. to walk down, you know, a difficult fourth quarter in life and do it with your dignity intact and, do it proudly, but also do it in such a way like you didn't, I'm sure you didn't shoot 108 and then go sell your clubs in the parking lot. Right? No, I I did not. Right. You showed up and you teed it up again. This is, that's, I think, I I believe that that part of uh, your character is the one that probably that resilient, you know, and I think I was naming this, this episode "Managing Risk," right? And that's because you sure. you, you tried a, a bunch of things, and there's you know there's amazing potential, but there's always some risk that has to be managed, mitigated, or you know eliminated in some way. And I think right, or or way. or not. You know, there there's some jobs that it's there's just inherent risk associated with it, and you have to learn to manage your way through it. Um, right. You know, I, I, I think that typically if you're, you're seeking the easy way out, 
um, you have to have a lower expectation on what's going to go on in life. Um, right. I think that there were times, you know, uh, I, I certainly know that there are times that it's put it. It's been an additional stressor on my marriage. It's been an additional stressor on my relationship with me. Um, I don't think it has affected my relationship with my children. I think I've had an ability to uh, kind of compartmentalize things to, to that extent. Um, mm -hmm. But it has led me to search in other areas to uh to find you know like additional passions so so i'm not a i can't i'm not a one-trick pony i i can't do um i can't do a nine to five gig i i can't why it's so much fun what What do you mean you can't well i just there's um I'm, yeah, you know, yeah, no, no. well no well i mean there are people there are people that are they can get up in the morning, do the basic blocking and tackling, and do a very good job. Be very efficient, very effective. Bring bring money home, bring home the bacon, whatever you want to call you know, and uh, and have a very satisfying life. Mm -hmm. um, just not wired that way. My dad was all over the joint. I was all over the joint. I think I'm a lot like him. Um, ADD. Uh, you know, I'm a you know multi potentialite. You know, I. <laughs> I seek, I, well, it's, it's actually a term. It's a, you know, I, you know, I seek things that I can be good at. And there are, there are a lot of things mm -hmm. that I can be good, at, good at, and I can be like really good at. Right. Um, but then it doesn't necessarily hold my attention or, but, but, but you know, coaching has, uh, it has. Point. Yeah, it has. It's um, because my goal is more on everybody else. You know what I mean? It's um, you've in your time you've met very successful business people that are fantastic. Um, they give a they could give a lick about other people. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I I think that's a hollow existence, right? To me, true satisfaction comes from a being able to replicate yourself. So if you start a business, being able to build it and add other people and have them enjoy it as well. Or with a family, same kind of thing. Um, so with me, I get immense satisfaction coaching when I recognize the potential in somebody and I help them um, to the point where they they can achieve something, you know. And I've been coaching long enough that um, I've had feedback from kids who were like, "You're, you know, you're the best thing." You know, like you, it was because of you that I've done this, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And uh, that's worth more money than anything in the world, you know, right. but doesn't feed you. Right. You know, might get you a couple of beers at the bar, <laughs> you know, or a night out or something, but it doesn't feed you. So, right. so there's that balance piece. And, um, you know, and again, it's one of those things where I've had to rely on my relationship with my wife, you know, um, in that regard as well. Cause she, you know, she can say, hey, dude, yeah, no, not happening. So, <laughs> well, you know, it, once you, you know, you add people into your life, um, you know, it changes the dynamic, you know, the right. calculus is different. So, right. Yeah, sure. So is there, um, well, you know what, I'm going to save that question. I'll make that our last question. But uh, so when you think about 
you know, influences lessons. Um, I, I, I believe that life is pivotal. Yes. Right? So as human beings, we make thousands of decisions a day. Yes. Um, there's actions that we take. Some of them can be subconscious, but they're still the effect of some level of programming or habit. Um, but so given the thousands of decisions that you can make in a day, I'm still a firm believer that life is so pivotal that we could point to no more than five decisions that we've made in our lifetimes that would have sent us down a completely different track and potentially changed who we are, right? That could be yeah. the decision to go to school, not to go to school, what school to go to, who to befriend, who to marry, first job, you know, all those things. When you look back at them, at least when I look back at my life, I wonder had I have made different decisions where I may have ended up, but I believe it's, it's not a huge number out of the thousands of decisions that we make. So I'm, I'm saying all that to kind of wanting you to angle into really the most profound influences. Like I said, you spoke about your father, but beyond that, the most profound influences or lessons that have really helped to, to shape who you become. Um, I, at some point early in my early teen years, I recognized that I had to leave um, the Philadelphia area if I wanted to become a, 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 let's say a different person, not necessarily a better person, a different person. Mm -hmm. I think I would have fell, fallen prey to the same influences had I stayed here. Um, so I, I had to go away. That was mm -hmm. a very pivotal decision on my part. Um, I, I literally begged. I was not a good student in high school. I was not, you know, I was, I played ball. I was, you know, I did all every, you know, did all every, every extracurricular I did. Um, I just wasn't a good student. I just couldn't focus. I couldn't, I, I just wasn't there. Uh, I begged literally begged uh, to get into uh, VMI, the Virginia Military Institute. Um, I, I will give that credit for everything. Any If I have had any success, those two decisions were, that, that was it. Um, and I was very fortunate that I had people who took me under their wing and looked out for me. Uh, my mother's father, my uncle Tom, who's he's still with us. Um, uh, he always believed in me. He and my aunt Joan always, always, always supported me. Um, so I had some very strong role models, male role models, which was helpful. Um, mm -hmm. When I when I got to VMI, that continued. I had folks that kind of literally took me under their wing. Um, it was weird. I was uh, I was very fortunate. I got my uh, freshman year, I was elected class president, um, small class, you know, 400 dudes, right? right? Not yeah. a big, not a very big school. I was elected class president. And then it, it almost kind of set the course for me, you know, um, people just always looked out for me. People listened to me. Mm -hmm. uh, people respected me. Um, I had influence. I had, um, and weird in the, in the world we live in today, you know, I, I'm out of school 40 years, over 40 years. I graduated in 82. Um, and 
I still make decisions as class president. Going in the Air Force uh, was very significant. Uh, my lifelong friend, um, one uh, another huge influence in my life. We didn't even like one another when mm -hmm. we were at VMI. We went to VMI for four years. Uh, my buddy Daryl. Um, we didn't even like one another. We became fast friends in the Air Force. Um, and then we've maintained a really true connection ever since. Um, to the point where my his youngest and my son, uh, I'm his youngest's godfather and he's my son's godfather. Right. Uh, so uh, so I, I literally would have to say the decision to leave the area and then to go to VMI set the course for everything else in my life. Oh. And then there was some kind of weird stuff that happened. Um, my mom got very sick in the early 90s and that brought me back here. Um, I have two children from my first marriage who, were, who moved back here and I was commuting for a while. And then when my mom got really sick, it was like, uh, you know, uh, Lord's telling me something here. I, I got mm -hmm. to get back. Right. Um, I, uh, I was really in, I was doing amazingly well in Texas. Uh, I was very successful in Texas. I love Texas. I would move back to Texas tomorrow. Okay. Um, but I had to come home here and it was the right move. And I was fortunate because I met my wife here. Um, and we've been together 25 years and I have two more wonderful children. And, you know, so it's, you know, that it's in a nutshell, that's kind of it. There wasn't, there wasn't much more than that. And a lot of well, it was just good fortune, I think, you know. But the but so that's into my point though. So because there's a lot of days, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in between those decisions, those moves, and you know, those those new realities. Um, and, and I I think um you saw uh the first part of the episode I did with Eric Satterthwaite. We were absolutely the, uh, zero to the to heroes, and he mentioned he mentioned a book you mentioned i think it was dale carnegie's how to yeah he well he said how i raised myself uh, the fletcher book how i raised myself from failure to success great great mm -hmm. book right. i mentioned dale carnegie i i was an avocational instructor for dale carnegie for about 10 years after i moved back here so i would i would teach folks at night you know after okay. working and they were so they were working people um who were most of them were trying to improve themselves um, there were others who were there because their boss was saying, like, you're going to take this. Um, but it was it was not unusual to have like 50 people in the class, like dudes that were like, I'm here because I have to be here. And right. those are the hardest folks to get to engage in anything, you know. Right. Um, and I and there was one very pivotal, a uh, pivotal um, uh, kind of like um, phrase that Carnegie uh uses and that is when it when it comes to instruction it kind of, um, motivate or inspire motivate then teach hmm. right inspire motivate then teach it's more of a universal application it helps you learn how to treat people not just make more money or not be more successful in business okay and i really believe that that's that's the key right to everything so I'll, I'll, you know, um, so, so I'll, I'll ask you this then. Um, finally, is is there another new venture in there? Um, 
as soon as you and I figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got some ideas. You know, it's just funny though. But, but one of the things, you know, and this this is this would be something completely different. But I, I think I may have told you I'm I'm really considering just going to get certified so I can teach golf. Right. Um, sure. I, I love the game. I love to teach. Um, but I think I would teach and consult. Um, I'd love to have um sort of a mastermind right just do the business in a box thing right and people bring us their ideas and yeah because i think it's when people have a new idea they can be so just sort of starstruck right that they miss all this sort of infrastructure that has to go in the building building that, a business i'd like to be yeah. a part of something like that right? that would yeah like to me that would be fantastic you don't always lay the right foundation and that was one of the things that was so wonderful when Michelle and I were building our business was she's very like if her alphabet, okay, is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I really don't need a D in my alphabet. So I can go A, B, C and then, you know, like L and M kind of throw that in and then I'll, I'll roll back to E, F, G later on and then mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go to X vw <laughs> right so so our minds are completely different we're wired completely different differently and and she has always been the person that grounded us um and you know so and i and you have to be respectful of that right and uh, so over the years i've learned so, sometimes the hard way you know fail forward kind of stuff um a lot of times the hard way right that there could be a better way to do it you know, and um, so that I think that's important. And I think that that would be very satisfying for you. Um, love to be involved in that. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's um, at some juncture um, as you're doing this and you're getting creative and you're trying to find your way and you take risk or you don't take risk. You have to find a way to forgive yourself, you know, because because a, a non-decision is still a decision. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. somebody offers you a job. I've had a lot of job offers and I've turned them down, you know, over the years. And um, after the fact gone, man, man, like, oh, man, yeah. you know, and some I went, oh, good thing I didn't do that. Right. But ultimately, you have to just kind of make an educated judgment if you have folks you can bounce things off of and, and you know and speak with that know the real you um you have those conversations you know but then ultimately you have to you have to forgive yourself if you screw up because you're gonna yeah so let me say you just made me think of something harry is that you know being able to to operate in an environment of trust and transparency is super critical, right? And yes. I think people may mm -hmm. have someone or, or persons in their life that could be much more benefit to them if they didn't bring their masks into those conversations. Um, if they didn't bring um, sort of those self-protective mechanisms and really just, you know, just be vulnerable, you know, lay it out there, the good, the bad, you know, what you're excited about, what concerns you, what scares you. I think then people are able then to get the most out of 
some of these assets that they have in terms of people and their wisdom and, and experience. So you just, you just made me think about that. I know, you know, people will come to you like they come to me and sometimes you, they're into it. It's like, they're not telling me everything. <laughs> they're not telling me the things they probably should where I can probably really help them. No, it's true. I had a, I had a friend that once told me that everybody over the age of 15, when you meet them for the first time, um, they, they walk in the door with every piece of baggage. I could be the most honest guy you've ever met in your life, but if everybody before me, okay, has just screwed you, stabbed you in the back, lied to you all along the way, you won't believe I'm that guy. Um, so the alternative is to try to be vulnerable, try to be open-minded and vulnerable to that. But then you leave yourself in a position where you could get filleted right in the middle of the table, right? Mm. You know, so so it, it's a, it can be a dangerous, it can be a dangerous decision. And you, you have to make sure um, that you're trusting the right people. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, there's, um, there's a litmus test there. I, I'll give you that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and for me, I am, uh, I am very much, I'm not a very guarded person. Um, what you see is what you get. Uh, I say stupid things. Um, I try to be funny when maybe I shouldn't. Um, I, I don't hold stuff against somebody. Uh, you know, it's funny because when you're coaching, you know, uh, kids that are, you know, 12 to 22, you know, um, their parents can be a little bit to take, right? And and there are a whole lot of coaches, generations of coaches right. that have held the kids accountable for their parents' behavior. Right. Wow. I, I refuse to do it. I, I won't do it. The kid's not going to pay the penalty for their for mom or dad's behavior, right. you know? But, uh, you know, it. but those are hard conversations. And it's, you know, again, you have to be grounded. You have to know who the heck you are. You have to be fair. You have to, you know, you have to have some principles that you really right. truly believe in. If you, right. if you want to be that kind of person or, you know, I, and I, I decided that's kind of the person I want to be. Right. And, you know, it, there are times it's wonderful and there are times I, you know, pay the price and there, I'm sure there are a bunch of folks think I'm a horse's ass out there. That's, you know, I got to live with that part too. Oh you know? yeah, there's yeah, they're not all fans. No, <laughs> and no. Uh, in this in this uh, this sort of this generation of discontent individuals uh, will always find something they don't like or appreciate about you, no matter yeah what your what your intentions are, and so I I have great hope. <laughs> I re I really have great hope. I I mean I I know we're going through. Um, a bunch of difficult times, you know, in society and, and all that, all that kind of neat stuff. Um, you and I certainly have come from different places. Sure. Uh, I think remarkably anybody listens to this, they probably don't know all the similarities. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Um, because what, everybody, us? yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, we look so much alike. I mean, there's that. I mean, well, handsome, we handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, you know, it's, um, I think there's a tendency for people to see things a certain way and not mm -hmm. dive much deeper and not be interested enough and just be satisfied to say, well, he's there and he's that, you know? Right. Um, and I've certainly, you know, 
in, in many of the conversations I've had this year about everything, um, you know, I said the most important people in my life, the people I love more than myself. Okay. I don't always agree with them. You right. know, I often disagree with them, right. but they're still the most important people in my life. Right. You know, right. and, um, and other folks just don't see it that way, I guess, right. you know, but, but I have great hope. I, I, I think we'll be all right. I think we can do it. I could be, I may be super naive. Well, but maybe, know, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, unless the whole thing is about to implode, right. I think you have to, there, there's there are does, those that think there, there's, there's a place for, for hope. Um, I, I think that, that I've, I vacillate between the hopefulness I have for humanity because it, and this is what I think some people don't know about me is like in my heart, I am so compelled by human potential and what people can do with these amazing gifts and talents that, that they've been given and what impact that could have on humanity. So I am extremely hopeful for that. Um, the, the pattern of conditioning and the speed, I think the world is moving maybe too fast sometimes. Right. And it's doing a lot of it on the wings of technology. Yes. Uh, and so it's made the world so small. Um, you know, I, man, if I could, whoever, and I think I know the person who did it. Um, but it's cause I think it was CNN who created the 24 hour news cycle. Yes. Ted Turner is, is yeah, it's, no, that was a bad. Oh, a, a bad, bad thing. I, that was a bad idea. Yeah, because yeah, we because now we're just less, making up things. Less fill, people we're making up things more, to fill the time. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, but we're just we're, so many, in, we're, we're there's in lots of stuff out there. They're just ignoring. You know what I mean? There's there's yeah. a lot of really great things happening that they they're just ignoring yeah. because it's not right. a it's not a headline grabber, right? What it and, is. and and then and then of course there's there's social media right which has been the most amazing thing but in a lot of ways there's some detriment right we're able to oh. do this because of the power of social media right what we're doing now absolutely um but there's people who have a platform you know and a capability through technology to do something like this that has a completely different intended message right um who also has an audience so there's so there's that so anyway so we don't take this um because I, I I can kind of see our time here. I don't know if you can. Okay. I, don't know what you, I don't know what you see on your side. I have no idea. Me either. Um, but yeah, so so part of what Pivot Play is about and bringing on guests is to leave some breadcrumbs. Although I got to say with most of the stuff you talked about, it's a tremendous breadcrumbs um, and insights that I think people can use. But again, as we, again, face this really challenging time which you know we don't know how this how any of this ends yet right this is still unfolding in front of us what what would you leave the audience with um what would I, all right three things okay okay feel free to write them down <laughs> uh number one i have been keeping a journal since 1983 of quotations that I find inspiring, okay? 
from every sort every source imaginable doesn't matter who they are where they're from uh, I get them off of sitcoms I get them off of reporters I get them off of uh, dead folks you know I preachers don't mm-hmm. care what religion don't care what um, what creed I don't care about any of that if I can steal it and use it I write it down and I mm-hmm. and I use it okay so I would encourage everybody to do something like that and then go back and read those often um, and use them to inspire themselves, right? Okay. Um, so that's number one. Uh, second thing, um, whenever you're in an environment when people are sharing uh, potentially valuable information with you, okay, you need to ask yourself three questions, all right? What is he or, see, he or she saying to... Um, what does that mean to me? Mm-hmm. And three, how can I use it? Okay. What are they saying? What does it mean to me? How can I use it? Um, okay. And that's thanks to my buddy, Alan Isaacs, who was a, was a tremendous mentor for 10 years. Um, or you, work, um, you walk out of something really important. You have to ask yourself this question. Um, is there anything I could have said or done differently to get a better result. And those, those would be my three things. Awesome. Top of my head. Those would be the three things. It's pretty good off the top of your head. Well, I appreciate it. Well, I try to, I literally, those three things I use every day and I have for, since I learned them and I, I was very fortunate to learn those. Cool. So anyway, so I appreciate you coming on. It's an hour later for you on the East coast than it is for me in the West on here in the Midwest. Uh, so I really do appreciate it, but mostly I appreciate your friendship, um, and our connection and the tremendous help that you've, you've been to me over the, we got years in man. Um, Yes, we do. Yeah. No, dude, it's it's my pleasure. You ever need me, you know, you know, you can call and, uh, I've been blessed to have you in my life. Um, I consider myself very fortunate. Uh, it's been a privilege and I'm, I'm so happy, uh, that we've been able to maintain this. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you've influenced me greatly. It's great. And you've introduced me to some really cool dudes. Um, and you made me think, and, uh, I, I try to pride myself on being a critical thinker. So, um, so man, it's, it's been a wonderful relationship from my perspective. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and look up, you know, within the next few, you never know. I could be like, let's, let's get 18 in because I'm getting restless now. So I think I may have to, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to get in the Tesla and just start driving and we can meet, if, we if can I meet. Some. Some. We'll that, just, we'll meet and we'll, and we'll find some place. Yeah. I want to find some, some golf courses I haven't played in a place that's, you know, not on the total lockdown because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, although all, out here, the further West you go from, from St. Louis, it's like nothing's happening. Like they don't even believe it's a, it's a thing. Well, it's a different behavior. Once you get away from once, yeah. Once you get away from the coasts, it's, you know, well, I think once you get away from, you know, the, the central point in any geography, right. So I'm sure you get further away from Chicago or from St. Louis or, you know, Detroit or, you know, as you work your way into more rural areas, people have a different sense of what all this is. So, um, but yeah, man, I appreciate it. De- I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold you. Next. And uh, tell Michelle, I said, what's up? 
I, I will do that. Best of your family, man. She's a gem. All, All right, right, man. I'll talk to you. Love you. All right, man. Yep.